Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, joined by one of the co-owners at Road of His, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we're, uh, we are have an action-packed uh, show this week and we're going to dive pretty much straight into it, but uh, free agency underway, lots of big moves starting to happen. Some other moves probably that are going to, to happen uh, probably around the time you're listening to this or shortly after. There's going to be a lot of movement over the next uh, week or two, but I think with uh, certain positions it's probably going to to happen pretty quickly after it all does kick off but we're just waiting on that kind of wide receiver crew to to start to really uh, move at the top end but always an exciting time uh, the Packers re-signing Aaron Jones as we I mentioned to you uh, before we started I wasn't expecting that to be breaking news on Sunday evening so I really enjoyed seeing that come across the news ticker but action-packed and I know you've been uh, trying to keep up with it all for the site so it can be uh, it can be a little bit tricky but uh, enjoy this time of the season. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We get to see the new uh, player fits with the teams change around our boards, adjust the the best ball rankings, adjust the dynasty rankings, see who our, our hometown teams are getting to try and plug those holes. You mentioned your Packers getting Aaron Jones back. Very exciting for him. And Packer fans, I think a little bit disappointing, perhaps for some of his owners who were hoping that he was going to get a huge workload in free agency, uh, devastating probably for A.J. Dillon owners and then on the Chiefs side nothing exciting like that but taking some steps to bolster that offensive line that was devastated by injuries last year and and led to perhaps not quite the Super Bowl performance we were expecting so lots of of good developments for the two of us lots of interesting developments for fantasy owners I'm going to break down those moves today and try and decide whether you should be buying whether you should be selling uh, if you can make a profit on some recent trades you've done uh, Zachary's had some great articles up on the site looking at the risers and fallers heading into free agency and uh, some interesting results there in light of what's happened these last couple days so we'll go through that and look at whether or not the fantasy owners were right about who should be rising who should be falling and uh, yeah this this is a, a great time of year and i think you know we have nfl news that makes it all feel fresh again uh, especially as we uh, head into this time frame we're also getting a lots of pro day results so we'll be talking a little bit about that on thursday exciting colin let's start with your guy here in aaron jones yeah so we well I think Sean I think we should hold off we I think we have a lot to talk about in terms of uh, the running backs and Aaron Jones uh, and I think we'll save that for the listeners for the second half of the show so let's let's call that a tease um, but I think when we look at some of the big moves um, and I guess when we talk about free agency one of the moves that we I didn't even we don't even have on the show sheet and that was Drew Brees retiring so uh, big news happening down there in New Orleans as well one of the the all-timers uh, stepping away was was expected then people thought he might be back and now now it has been confirmed so um, going to be interesting offseason there for the Saints the Patriots obviously making some big moves uh, they obviously got Johnny Smith um, to kick off free agency and now they've doubled down at the tight end position got Hunter Henry in a three-year deal Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne as well in there so uh, they're starting to, to make some quick early moves and trying to get some uh, offensive weapons involved there the Jets signing Corey Davis Corey Davis somebody who when he came into the league a huge 
upside a lot of uh, you know college production hopeful hopeful of him really developing into a, a top tier wide receiver and we, we've seen it in flashes over the last couple of years but hasn't had the the consistency maybe to match it signing with the Jets so the Jets have a little bit of a a, a bolstered wide receiver room to to try and figure things out there and then the Jaguars signing Carlos Hyde to back up James Robinson um, I think that's a positive move for Robinson as a whole you know with a, a kind of older veteran player coming in behind him rather than somebody who's really probably going to push him to to take over the job uh, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington which I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, there's some exciting playmakers there, and I think uh, Fitz, Fitzmagic is one of the, the, the guys who, who loves to try and make plays. So we'll see what they do. I'm sure they're going to address it in other ways, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be against seeing uh, Fitzpatrick throwing it to Terry McLaurin for the, the entire season this upcoming year. But out of those ones, Sean, that I mentioned, any of them that uh, particularly piqued your interest that, you know, you thought was, you know, a real... Uh, bonus to either the team or to the player as a fantasy perspective or was there any that you thought oh, this wasn't the place I wanted them to land well I think we have to start with those Patriots signings and you get the two tight ends I know that they are players that fantasy owners have been hopeful about for a long time and each of them had a chance to go to a team become more of a star become a player that the team was interested in building around as opposed to a peripheral piece and instead they end up in a patriots offense that has so many question marks and hasn't thrown the ball particularly well so our tight end guru neil dutton has profiled both of these signings for this site and i think he has a little bit of optimism about the opportunity or at least yesterday uh, when we started with Johnu Smith, a little a little bit of excitement about the opportunity because there is just so much volume available in New England. Nobody targeted their tight ends less than 2020. They had the least receptions, the fewest touchdowns. Only the Carolina Panthers had fewer tight end receiving yards. And so the opportunity is here, but you also have complete uncertainty at the quarterback position. You have a quarterback in Cam Newton, whose strength has never really been accuracy or reading the defense. He's a rushing quarterback who's leaned into that more as he's aged. And now the real uh, arm strength that he had, the sort of the, the leading element of his passing game is broken, right? So you have someone who always had some weaknesses as a passer and now doesn't have that arm talent. And you go into that system and Neil had Jonu Smith as merely a tight end streamer even after the signing. That's before they added Hunter Henry. So now you have to split those two targets. I think this is interesting, but also bizarre in that the Patriots appear to be trying to sort of resurrect this uh, late 2000s kind of offense when they had Ron Gronkowski. You have Aaron Hernandez. You have some overlap with... Wes Welker and Randy Moss, and yet these guys are just are so different from those players. We have Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne coming in here. Again, sort of interesting players, but when you look at the contracts, it's really hard to understand how signing these two players as opposed to signing one of the bigger name guys would help you out here. There's a lot of overlap in terms of you know what these guys are going to do that Jacoby Myers was also offering for you. In Myers, you have a guy who in his second season, and again, in a horrible offensive environment, had 81 targets, 59 touchdowns, 729 yards 
really did some very nice things for this team, and now you're bringing in just more depth to go with him. Now, that doesn't mean that Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne aren't good players. Bourne was someone, especially in 2019, who I thought had some real fantasy relevance at the end of the season, was showing that he could be a little bit more than just a depth player. And we look at the history and say, okay, well, there have been some instances of the Patriots actually making slightly better free agent signings than what they've done in the draft with wide receivers. But this is still a real weakness for this team. And when you have the cap space that they had, when you have the need to make some splash moves in order to reinvigorate the fan base, re-signing Cam Newton, even if it's just to compete for the first string job, signing Nelson Aguilar, signing Kendrick Bourne, these are moves that I think are, are pretty depressing. Yeah, I think it's pretty, you mentioned they're kind of confusing or strange. Uh, it's a little bit uh, strange is what I would call it. Um, in terms of the, the two tight ends, like does feel a little bit like going back to that late uh, kind of 20, just before the 2010s. Uh, I always get confused. What do we call that? The 2000s? Uh, <laughs> I get confused when we get into the 1980s, 1990s. It was much easier to differentiate those decades. But um, I think that, we look at them signing two tight ends, you know, pretty much have guaranteed close to $60 million over the next uh, kind of two to three years to those guys. And then the contracts are worth much more than that. But really doubling down uh, at the tight end position. I like both tight ends. If they had assigned one, I would have been pretty happy. But signing both of them is just a, a little bit unique. You mentioned something there that kind of I think might be part of the reason for it is Cam Newton's downfield passing. His, his accuracy has never been a big part of it but we've seen him have success like close to the line of scrimmage with uh, some of the players he's played with obviously um you know we have greg olson to put into that mix but it's going to be interesting to see how they do it i'm wondering is it going to be a very dink and dunk offense we've seen that with the patriots times in the past i'm wondering if that's what's looking here obviously they have a deep threat then and somebody like Aguilar, but you know he might be fallen into maybe that Ted Ginn Jr. role that we used to see with the Panthers where every so often there's a deep shot downfield it's very hard to understand fully what this offense is and it almost feels like what they've done in the past with running backs and just having as many of those options as they can to try and you know make it through the season in different formats with the running back uh, position it feels like they're trying to do that with uh, the receivers and the the tight ends here as well and I don't know when you're given a, a tight end like Hunter Henry as much as they have you know you could say that the reason they have a second tight end uh, you know and and Johnny Smith is injury concerns but then why are you giving somebody as much money as you are if the injury concerns are the reason to get a secondary tight end so it's very hard to go in with confidence in any of the players that they have signed over the last couple of days and really target them as fantasy stars of this coming season and a lot of years we see that with the Patriots that there isn't a real clear dynamic as to who is going to be those lead targets and so on um, so for me it kind of dampens the expectation just for the two tight ends that they've signed uh, and then obviously there's mixed expectations with the guys that they've brought in as well so uh, glad to see those guys get paid but um, in terms of fantasy excitement for the, the, the coming months I think it is a little bit of a, a downer um, obviously then I mentioned about James Robinson having Carlos Hyde behind them. I mentioned that as a positive. Do you think that's positive in terms of it's not somebody coming in to immediately challenge him for that role due to the lack of draft capital, for example, uh, that they got him for last year? It is. And, and Sam Wallace had a nice article on the site about this. Sam had has been telling you to buy James Robinson, buy James Robinson, buy James Robinson. And then Zachary also had a cool piece 
uh, talking about his rookie comps using the similarity feature in the world of his screener and how good those guys were. Got names like Dalvin Cook, like Kareem Hunt. And when you look at that level of talent, I don't think that you're going to be bothered too much by Carlos Hyde, right? I mean, he hasn't been good since the a big stretch from 2016 to 2017, but even starting in 2017, he was one of these extremely inefficient players. And I think it's kind of funny here where from 2017 to 2020, Hyde is so massively underwater in fantasy points over expectation that the only guys who are anywhere close are Frank Gore and Peyton Barber. Now, Frank Gore is doing it like in his late 30s. So we have to give him a little bit of slack and a little bit of credit for having managed to stay in the NFL and also maybe a little bit of criticism to the coaches who are willing to keep playing him. I'm impressed with Gore, maybe not the decision uh, from the coaching staff to have him out there. Peyton Barber, you know, we know that he's someone who is a, a below replacement level player and it gives you a little bit of that bigger back, again, if you're desperate. But I mean, these are the guys who are coming in around Carlos Hyde, who for some reason teams really like to have as this backup, even though he's going to go in there and be terrible. Now, the interesting thing was actually almost all of those numbers are compiled from 2017 to 2019. He was decent in 2020, which is one of the reasons why he would generate some interest. But in order to get this huge minus 80 number or so there are 80 fantasy points that he left on the table over that four-year period you actually have to be on the field quite a bit and so you know there is this argument for running backs that volume does matter if you can generate these snap counts if you can generate the carries that says something about you because you can't necessarily control your quarterback your offensive line now if you're a superstar you're going to transcend those problems but if you're just a normal nfl running back maybe it's not your fault the problem then for hyde is that He's no longer a big snap guy. In only four games last year, did he play in at least 35% of the snaps? And that was in a, on a Seattle depth chart that had a lot of problems, a lot of injuries. So even with all the injuries that kind of ransacked that team, he was not somebody who really got in there and saved the day. I don't think that he's going to press a healthy James Robinson. And I think that if you have some of these things that come up and Robinson you know, does get hurt. I don't think the Hyde is even going to help you that much in those scenarios. I think there are going to be some other guys who emerge as deep backups on this team that you would prefer to have. Now, the thing with Robinson and, and the reason that Sam has been telling people bye, bye, bye is that there is this idea, there was a perception that, okay, well, Jacksonville has to add because they had nothing behind him last season. And it does hurt you as a running back to add anything behind you. This idea, in many ways, you prefer your running back to have a little bit lesser workload than what he had. And yet the dream scenario is just basically to get lucky, to have a guy who has this huge workload who does manage to make it through and not get hurt, which is sort of what happened with Robinson last year. Obviously, he did get hurt at the very end and wasn't available for, for fantasy owners in the fantasy finals, You know which you would like to have. But adding almost anybody to this depth chart hurts Robinson in a way that it might not hurt other rookies who had the same kind of season but were drafted earlier there's always this fear that teams are going to look and and not be glad of the gift that they got but instead be like okay well we didn't know it was going to be this good you know we can't brag about the fact that we drafted him in the first round so you know let's go ahead and, and make sure we have a committee Carlos Hyde does not give you a committee. This is really the best case scenario. And that kind of brings us back to the range of outcomes tool that we've been discussing on this on the show and how this tool built by Dave Cabin allows us to look at historical matches for running backs and then to see how those players performed in future seasons. So guys like James Robinson, how did they do the next year? And the answer is they've, they've done very, very well. 
Robinson ranks as the number eight running back according to those projections. And that's obviously well above his ADP. So, you know, are there concerns that an undrafted player or a, a late drafted player is going to slide? I mean, yes. On the same, at the same time, by the same token, Arian Foster is probably the best comp to think about in terms of someone who was not a player that the team originally had pegged as a star but that came in and had multiple seasons where he was just very very good so robinson was a buy before he's a buy now we can thank sam for encouraging us to to get that guy i like robinson you know he's someone we profiled last year after his strong combine told you how he had the same score in the running back prospect lab that Clyde Edwards Alaire had. You know, at the time it seems kind of silly to compare those players. Now Robinson clearly looks like the better NFL guy. Now, the two offenses are different. Could the offenses, you know, pull CH up? That's still a possibility, but but we love Robinson here. And it really is just sort of a a relief. Robinson owners can exhale, I think, to have Carlos Hyde as the running mate in Jacksonville. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. So Sean, we teased it a little bit earlier in the show. The big headline news of the weekend was Aaron Jones signing his contract with the Packers. Uh, I mentioned already after they didn't franchise tag him, I didn't expect this to come to fruition, but they moved some uh, cap space around and, and got the deal done. So I'm pretty much delighted, but as a Packers fan, and I know the, you mentioned some uh, fantasy owners maybe hoping that he does make or did make a move and the Dolphins had been, uh, you know, talked about as a, a potential landing spot and a suitor for him. But in terms of him as a player, uh, he has really broken out over the last two seasons in particular. Um, he's averaged... 19.2 points per game over that last two season stretch finishing as a, a running back one on 43 percent of the occasions a running back two on 23 percent of the occasions. so really really consistent at that high level um you know basically he's been a, a running back two or more <laughs> the, the majority of the time he has been inactive in some weeks with the injuries that he's had but overall has been really dynamic and some of the weeks sprinkled in there and more so two years ago than last year even and um, we've seen a more balanced approach to the Packers offense over the last season and sometimes he had you know explosive runs that he might have just got stopped a couple of yards uh, short of the end zone I remember against the Philadelphia Eagles as an example a very very long run after the half but just just didn't get to the end zone and um, you know the some things like that that would have dramatically boosted those scores this season but you know he has a couple of games in there over 40 points three games in total um, has had those spike weeks the high 20s the 30s um, I, I've been super impressed with him and what he's developed into he's kind of for me he's almost like a Christian McCaffrey light he's not having as many of those high weeks but he's also very very consistent so I think he's just below that real top tier but I do think he's a, an elite option as a, a fantasy running back uh, and I think that the Packers have got a, a real good sign in there obviously the the people making moves over like say let's say pre-Sunday there have been some people making those moves for AJ Dillon trying to get 
you know, trying to get him as the, the Packers lead running back heading into the season. Um, you mentioned earlier as well how the running backs will probably filter out in the Packers. Well, Jamal Williams won't be back, but there's a good chance they'll probably take somebody in in the draft as well. So we'll probably have a, a backfield of, of three or more when we get to it. But um, I, I think that uh, it's exciting um, for Aaron Jones owners. I think uh, AJ Dillon's still going to get his role in that offense. I think we'll see a lot more of him this coming season. But, you know, I do think that uh, it does temper the actual upside for both of those guys uh, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, it, it, this could work both ways, I think. We look at Aaron Jones, and I think that he's an undervalued player. You asked me before we came on the on the air, you know, did I have any sense that Jones might re-sign with the Packers? And I definitely didn't have any you know special insight to this, but I'm always a little bit leery. I know there are a lot of smart guys who and especially you know smart zero running back owners which you know we would like to think that we we, we definitely know that we're zero running back owners we'd like to think we've been <laughs> a smart zero running back owners group but taking aj Dillon because it looked like aaron jones was departing i hadn't taken any Dillon shares so far this year and that's not because i'm not a believer this the signing disappointed me because i have a lot of Dillon in dynasty i still think that he can be a Derrick Henry type of talent. Derrick Henry is the guy that comes up in all the comps. You look at, you know, what Dylan did in terms of the running back prospect lab. You look at some of the similarities in size and athleticism. You look at what uh, he did on his handful of carries as a rookie. I mean, this is a guy who I think is undervalued. Aaron Jones is a guy who is underappreciated by NFL fans by fantasy owners but we're looking at the last two seasons right and only Dalvin Cook Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara have scored more points only Henry has generated more fantasy points over expectation and even if you look at a guy with Jones who averages five yards per carry has scored 30 touchdowns and he is a star just below the level of guys like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and I didn't think that the Packers would just necessarily let someone like that get away if there was a good path to signing them. Now, you know that the Packers are not going to overpay. They like to build through the draft. They like to build by keeping their own guys. And, you know, they didn't do the thing that causes problems between team and player with franchising him and, you know, forcing their leverage on him to get this deal done. They said, you know, we'd like to have you. We're willing to pay you. We think that you can be a superstar here you know, make a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, and, you know, be in this good timeshare with Dylan. So I think that that is, it, that specter was always out there and it is what came to fruition. And so now we have to figure out, you know, how we deal with it. And one of the things that is both a concern, but perhaps not quite as big a concern as it's made out to be is Jones' share of the pie here. One of the things that I did looking at this signing was to look at the total running back expected points for some of these big time scoring backs and teams. So with the Vikings, you ha- over the last two years, you have 885, the Saints 842, the Packers 814, and the Titans all the way down there at 680, which I think gives you a little bit of a sense of the fact that a lot of the expected points that running backs have are tied up in this passing game. Now, Henry has managed to succeed because his share of that has been 75%. Those numbers fall to 69 and 68 for Cook and Kamara. We're all the way down at 62 with Jones. But one of the things with this is that when we look at his total EP, that's something that 
year to year is just as effective in terms of giving you a sense of what's going to happen as market share of EP is sort of in season, right? So I think that we can look at this and be more concerned that we need to be because one of the things that happens with these teams is over the course of a year, the stars are going to get the touches that the team wants. And so with Jones, you know, he's going to be worked, but he's not going to be overworked. Perhaps that gives him a little bit of chance, a little bit better chance to stay healthy. And with the workload that he has, he comes out as the running back nine in our range of outcomes tool. And that's a, a tool that's looking at kind of what he did last year. It's not necessarily factoring all of these external elements, but staying with the Pactorist gives us a sense that, okay, well, things could be somewhat similar, right? You replace Jamal Williams with A.J. Dillon. The other thing here that I think is interesting is that when you look at Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray versus Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, Kamara has 43% of his value as a rusher, 57% as a receiver. Jones is sort of the mirror image where he has 57% as a rusher, 43% as a receiver. And if we move from a, a Jamal Williams to an AJ Dillon, maybe you're creating a situation where Williams, an undervalued pass catcher, pass blocker, Dylan, someone looking for to do the early down pounding in an early down pounder who like Derrick Henry can break some of these big runs. So an efficient piece in the offense as a runner, but if your Aaron Jones gets switched to a little bit more of a Camara like player, that could actually raise his ceiling in some important ways, gives him access to a much better, cheaper, easier, faster source of points than when you have to do it purely as a runner. So I like that element. The other thing is just staying with the Packers, like you said, I think in many ways is a dream come true, even if you have to split, right? Because when you have an explosive offense, then you have a little bit better floor. You're not every week going out there and wondering, okay, is my team going to go three and out, three and out, three and out, score three points? And at the end of the week, you're like, why did I even start this guy? I mean, we've all had that situation where you draft these guys who are good, but they're in a bad offense. And the first month of the season, they don't move the ball at all. And you have someone that you drafted in the first three, four rounds, and you're starting to wonder, like, can I even use them as a starter? We're not going to get that with the Green Bay Packers. Hopefully you wouldn't get it with the Miami Dolphins, but it's possible. You go in and you can create a really quick, easy breakdown using the screener, using the team splits tool, and look at expected points per game to the running back position, 25.5 for the Packers, 22 for the Dolphins. Over the course of the season, that translates into more than 50 points, right? So a lot of, a, a much bigger pie. Now we ask, well, is that pie going to be sustainable? In some ways, possibly not. But you also look at the Packers offense, 2.7 points per drive, Dolphins 1.9. So again, people get concerned about efficiency and don't necessarily look at the context. With Aaron Jones, you have a superstar in an offense that's explosive. These 2.7 points per drive for the Packers, that gets you down to the goal line a lot of times. You can see that then in terms of points per game as well, 27.7 to 22.2. So there would have been some positives to moving to Miami. I really love him here with the Packers, with just the caveat that it, it is a disappointment for those A.J. Dillon shares. Now, as an owner and Dillon, as a real-life person, is looking at his peak years being behind Aaron Jones, the star in Green Bay. 
Yeah, I think well that there's obviously a disappointment for for AJ Dillon and AJ Dillon fans, but I, I still think there's upside for Dillon because he is actually going to be moving up one spot in that uh, you know depth chart, and he's going to get work. It's not like it's going to be a hundred percent Aaron Jones. You mentioned already kind of the split between Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and Williams did always eat into that work in terms of over the entire season, and he was actually very productive with that opportunity as well. But you mentioned something that I think. If you if you're interested still in acquiring Jones, or if you're looking at drafting him this season, I would expect that receiving work for him to move up. He he is very good in the receiving game, but Jamal Williams really does excel at uh, receiving the ball out of the backfield and even further downfield. And we've seen Jones get worked into that a couple of times this season with some deep receiving touchdowns, and I think we'll see that added more into the game plan this year. So. Like you said in the split between Kamara and Murray, I think we can see that there. Like I would expect Jones to to really eat into the work that Williams was getting, and I think that we'll see uh, AJ Dillon eat into that work less, you know, uh, over the course of the season. So, looking forward to seeing what they do. G- good to have him back, and I do think as well. You mentioned something there about like having the the comfort of knowing that you're going to be playing with Aaron Rodgers and how good this offense has been over the last two seasons like it, it mightn't be as good this year as it was last year but I don't expect it to just tail off completely and Aaron Jones to, or sorry Aaron Rodgers to completely fall apart this upcoming season so it felt a little bit to me like Aaron Jones made that decision to maybe leave some money on the table to have that success over the next two or three years with a, you know an established I'll call it legendary quarterback uh, versus taking the risk of, of moving town and, and seeing what happens then down the road but it's going to be fun and I, I know there's going to be a lot of stuff to, to talk about over the coming weeks in free agency looking forward to, to breaking all that down on the show but as we get close to the end of the show I, I do always like to, to mention you can get that 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass up on the Road of His website by adding the code RV Radio. 2021 uh, to get that 10% discount and as always we do appreciate when you drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app lots of people uh, reaching out uh, through twitter as well and we have some questions coming up on thursday's podcast and we'll be back with another one i do want to give a plug as well sean did mention it uh, on a previous podcast but uh, travis may is doing the nfl pro day schedule uh, and the results then with that so I would highly recommend heading on over to the website and checking that up. Gives you a breakdown of when all those pro days are and what the kind of outcomes or statistics that have uh, come out of those pro days are. So a good way to keep on top of all the action going down uh, throughout the kind of the, the the process here. There's obviously a lot going on with free agency, and that can help keep you on top of all that news as well. So. I think it's uh, it's a, um, I would be bookmarking that as my advice over the coming weeks. So that's going to do it for this episode of the show. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, my co-host is Sean Siegel. You can check out all Sean's great work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back with another one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.